You will test your might. Test your might. Yo, what's oh, up? Hey, what's up, man? Yo, buddy. I didn't hey, buddy. Uh... Hey! Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. podcast episode number quattro uno i am your first host marcello and i'm host number two d host number three is back Corey petty he's back i don't know how, how many episodes has it been since i've been gone I don't, it feels like forever but it feels like a while two two i think yeah two just two episodes jeez it feels like an eternity yeah man bitcoin time i feel like bitcoin makes you grow older sometimes did you miss it yeah, dude. I mean, I was like, I, I feel like I was getting like obsolete. You don't need me anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Trust episodes y'all put out were great. That was not the case. We needed the technical anchor when it comes to talking about the heavier shit. Um, but we were able to hold down the fort like some true bowlers. So, I think uh, Dimitri used the Captain Planet analogy. If only two planeteers call Captain Planet, then you're getting like some retarded <laughs> three three arms captain planet you're not getting the, the real one so we got the real captain planet yeah uh we're brought to you by uh our good friends at escrowmybits.com uh as always it's fast it's super easy Wait. and it, what's up let's make a skit out of it this time okay um we should probably rehearse that no freestyle never off the cuff is way better so whose line is it anyway escrow my bits version yeah okay hey uh, d um yeah, yeah i was i was i was trying to buy this thing online i was looking for this it's a it's like a homemade sex wing out of like pure carbon fiber it's awesome but i'm kind of worried about paying him and him sending it to me like do you do you have any idea what i should do oh man i actually do have an idea for that and by the way carbon fiber is a good go my friend it doesn't break it's light you can move it around it's mm-hmm. it's perfect for sex mm-hmm. it's basically- especially if you're a skinny black man who's into big white women mm-hmm. i'm not that but neither <laughs> am i actually neither, neither am i so <laughs> but how do i pay for it what do i do i don't i want my money i want, I want my sex swing but i don't want to give my money well you know there is a service uh, that is you can use this surface and it'll be just as effortless as the pool that you're using on the sex wing with your lady. You, you know, it's it's actually called Escrow My Bits. Escrow My Bits. You haven't heard of it? No. What does it do? Oh man, it's a great service. Uh, what they do is they escrow your Bitcoin when you want to send something to someone. That's perfect because I was going to pay on that. I was going to pay using Bitcoin. But what does it what does it mean to escrow something? Well, what it means essentially is it kind of it locks the bits to this new coin called New Bits that is also 
locked to the U.S. dollar. Hold up, let me chime in. Let me text my buddy Cello real quick because he's got the he's got the ins and outs. Yeah. I'm gonna call him. Actually, calling is better. Ring, 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 ring. Cello. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm trying to tell Corey. Corey's trying to buy a sex swing. You know. Mm-hmm. Carbon fiber. And, carbon fiber sex swing. Say it right. Carbon fiber sex swing. And uh, basically, I'm just trying to give him the rundown on escrow my bits. You know the particulars of it, so he could feel a little safer buying a sex swing. Well, you could use those other services where they only keep uh, one or, you know, one key. But this one has two out of a three multi-signature transactions. So they are more safe than the rest. And uh, their goal is to make escrow as simple as possible. So if you don't get it by now, you just don't get it. Yeah. So you're telling me you're telling me it's fast. It's more secure than other services. And it's safe. Yeah, and if you want to get your boogie on in Japan, uh, they got you covered because they have a uh, uh, Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. Hmm. All right, beast mode. What I'm saying, Corey, is you should probably escrow your shit with escrow my bits. Escrow uh, your shit with escrow my bits. <laughs> <laughs> and done. Scene. 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 Did that you work? S- yeah, use them. They're they're good. Yes. Do we we got any else, or we, can we hop into things? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay. No bit for tips. No bit for tips. Okay. Um, they just got a free plug. Um, bit for what? Uh, yeah, I want to say that um, I'm going to be selling my Xbox One, and I'm going to get a Steam machine. Um, with the with the news that Valve has offered Bitcoin incentives, such as immediate liquidity on purchases made with bitcoin and those customers will receive an in-game item that is effectively more valuable than their credit card purchase counterparts so steam is going to start uh, accepting bitcoin and uh which led me to discover that purse well dimitri told me that with purse you can get five percent off all gift cards and um you know I'm, I'm tired of this of the xbox i'm gonna i'm gonna go to steam that is that is hot shit because mm-hmm. essentially, I mean, the, the the technology that is Bitcoin allows for gaming to really incentivize this new business model that most of the most of the games have taken on, which is micropayments. They do they do like microtransactions by selling you a new piece of gear that looks cool. You can only get through purchasing and so on and so forth. And the way they make their money is through lots and lots and lots and lots of small payments. And so typically they're giving out their game for free or a very small fee. And they're not charging subscriptions anymore. They're just saying, hey, uh, you can play the game. You can have some fun. But if you want to look cooler or do cool, cooler things that, you know, in the game, you can just purchase this little, you know, $1 thing to make yourself, you know, that's, that's how they're making the money, microtransactions. Mm. So Bitcoin allows for, as a back end, allows for a lot of that to happen much, much quicker and easier. And I, it's going to be great if Steam tries, starts to try and incorporate that into a lot of the games they're making. I can imagine a world where most of the transactions you do in game, even the in-game currency, will be Bitcoin, which would be, which would be, Oof. hot. It's dangerous, though, man. I was just thinking about it. Yeah, like, it's dangerous. But I mean, at least the the gold farmers of Asia who are spending all their life holding, you know, making shitty, you know, fake virtual gold, or might actually get paid in real money nowadays because they're farming Bitcoin as opposed to some virtual currency. I mean, it it, it 
it allows for a lot of opportunities for the gaming industry to make a lot of money and even people who are contributing to the gaming industry, not so much the, the game developers themselves to make some money by themselves. For some reason, I just take it to this extremely dark shadow gaming economy where like people are losing their lives over losing their eve ships because it was actually worth this amount of bitcoin and i guess eve ships are actually worth like us dollars so that still matters but i just it's just i see that going to such a dangerous place but in the meantime pump that value into bitcoin baby <laughs> yeah. about. like you said like they of all communities understand that value of digital assets and mm-hmm. it's it's not inconceivable that you know, as Bitcoin purchased items are perceived as more valuable, more and more players will begin paying with it. I well, imagine so. imagine the scenario where you spend a lot of the time earning this in-game currency, right? What if you could take that in-game currency and then go out and take your girlfriend to dinner with it? Yeah. It wow. wouldn't be such a weird scenario for you to spend your life playing games anymore because you're actually making a living off of it. And it is time-consuming and fucking work, man. I was oh, playing Final work. Fantasy fourteen, crafting all that shit. Man, that's like hours of shit. And then sometimes you got to fucking walk across the damn planet to find a fucking rock that you <laughs> have. So you find the rock, and then you got to fight some monsters to get some other shit to craft a thing. I mean, it's work. Like, people think it's not work, but... Chella, you if- played one of the Final Fantasies, right? Like I played FF11, and I was on WoW for a little bit. But, I mean, think about third world country like cyber cafes they're, they're going to be bitcoin generating meccas like imagine getting digital assets and then using it to buy coffee in the same cafe you're playing at hmm. so not only are we empowering the third world countries that are unbanked to allow banking services to them we're actually giving them a source of revenue if this is where there's something like something this leads to and it's more than likely will be wow i feel like every single time we do this show i fall more and more deeper in love with bitcoin and how amazing it is that's what's cool about it is that as time goes on we're going to see more and more use cases that we haven't thought of yet that it's like empowering the world who couldn't do things before to do the things they want to do Mm. even if it's just playing a video game and getting paid for it even if it's just you know holding on to the money you make regardless of what you do and your government not taking it from you so cello if you could put a wallet on your steam machine are you gonna yeah, I can go to Dell.com right now, buy a Steam machine with Bitcoin, and then use Bitcoin to buy the games off Steam. I can I can enjoy gaming right now without having to spend one cent, one copper coin. Mm. The future is so fucking now. I might get on that Steam machine train with you. I'm trying to throw some I'm trying to throw some hooks in the waters from other people's in my lives to see if they can get on the Steam machine train, and. uh it's. I'll say this to Valve right now. You guys need to bring that price down a little bit. Jesus, man. It's kind of high. They are proud of that thing. <laughs> Golly. But anyways. Um, yeah. How did we get on that, that topic? What was... Marcello brought it up as a docket. Oh, that's right. Because it's Bitcoin centric. Yeah. All right. Well, here. Let me get let me get the cobwebs out of Corey's brain. Uh, let me ask him a question. Uh, a listener had a question for you. Suppose there is a fork with two chains, and if you store coins on an exchange that only supports one chain, what happens to your balance? Could they show only the balance for the supported chain, then sell off the coins from the other chain as their own? Like on an exchange that does support the other chain. So if you're if you're keeping your your current value in a, in a, in a certain third party bank like coinbase right 
Coinbase is a bank. You mm-hmm. should treat it like one. Uh, then you're subject to whatever they do. It's you can you're only allowed to spend your bitcoins the way you want to on whatever chain you decide to to go to. If there if and when there is a fork, if you own your own private keys, so you need to use a wallet that allows you to to own and keep your own private keys. If you're keeping that security to a third party, then you're subject to whatever they decide to do. Always. So that's and so essentially they're a bank and you're and you're trusting them to take care of your wealth. So never leave your money on an exchange. It depends. It depends. An exchange, probably not. But I mean, it really depends on how much you're willing to trust those people because personal security is difficult, right? Sometimes, if you don't have the knowledge to personally secure your own Bitcoin properly, then it might it might be in your best interest to keep all of your money in a third interest in a third party. Yeah. But if you don't trust them and you research enough to keep it into your own wallet, maybe a third-party hardware, devi- hardware device where that keeps your own um, per- private keys or you keep it in a, in, a, in a paper wallet or a cold wallet or even just a, a wallet on your phone that keeps your private keys, that's all fine and dandy. But then you're subject to all the security risks and protocols necessary to keep those safe. And so yeah. it's kind of a trade-off. Listen to me, listener. Listen to me now. If you aren't a day trader or a high-frequency Bitcoin trader, you need to take your damn Bitcoin off that exchange. Listen to a guy who's been using exchanges for three years now and has never lost any money ever and always kind of laughs a little bit when I see all the Reddit posts that are like, this exchange is going under. Get your shit out of there. And then people are always like, oh, I didn't get my shit out of there and I lost my bits. Just take your money off the damn exchange. And put it on there when you want to make an exchange and then take it off. You know where's a good place to go? Airbits. Airbits is good. Airbits is great. It's a decentralized uh, wallet service that allows you to keep your own private keys that isn't tied to your own cell phone if that's where you keep them. So if you wanted to, you can recover your wallet on a different device if someone steals your cell phone. Yeah. Although you're still keeping your private keys. Airbits is the shit. Yeah. Keeping your shit safe, accessible to plenty of merchants and so on and so forth. Oh, speaking of which... If anybody tweets airbits is the shit, hashtag just two guys, you'll get some airbits bits. Tweet it. Yeah, tweet it with uh, airbits is the shit, hashtag just two guys, and put at the BTC podcast so we see it because uh, we want to see it. And you'll get some airbits bits. And if you want to hear me and Dumitruk go toe to toe talking about airbits, uh, we actually appeared on the Market Yo Chain podcast with Tony Swish and we talk about. A variety of companies, huh? Like yeah, Gemini. we talked about a lot of them. We talked about Coinbase, we talked about Airbits, we talked about good ones, bad ones. Uh, the best companies in the space happen to not have some generic Bitcoin name, uh, purse. Uh, I'm curious to see how the market changes with, with uh, the naming protocols of help people, help people learn naming their shit. Because it's like Bits, Bitcoin, Coin is in crypto. every single name. Crypto, it's like, when are the names going to be a little more... Uh, ambiguous. Yeah, we have that's something. Kind of, that's like what kids. I addressed. I brought that up, and then I also just thought that their logos need to get away from padlocks and and the Bitcoin B. And it was a great first generation of these apps because it allows you to really know that that's what it's for. But as it starts to grow and become ubiquitous, no one's going to care. You, you can only do so much of this of this stuff. It has to be your own brand, your own shit. It can't just be kind of tied into this whole theme of of. Uh, 
bits and coin and crypto and you know what i actually want to talk about uh ibm they're all over the the bitcoin uh news scene right now with all these blockchain as services and these super blockchain platforms and they want to have all the blockchains and i think they're helping Bluth Misters, sorry, Blythe Masters with her Hyperledger. Bluth! Bluth. Is that the sound you make whenever you hear the word Blythe Masters? (laughs) Yeah. In my head. uh, But, um, yeah, is that, I mean, we talk about this a a lot, and we always come to the same resolution that anyone who's competing with Bitcoin is ultimately still going to have to learn how to communicate with Bitcoin. Uh, because it's like the internet as to where other things are intranet. But these people, they got a lot of money, man. There's some big swingers in this space now. IBM, Hyperledger, R3. I mean, they're all trying to make Bitcoin without Bitcoin. I think in the end, ultimately, it's about what the user has provided and how easy they're able to do whatever they want to do amongst anything they want to do it with. And whoever pro- provides that service is the one that's going to win. And the difference between IBM doing all of this stuff is that it's a centralized authority pushing innovation in a certain direction. And the people who are making decisions is IBM. It's clear who's going to make decisions. And if no one likes it, they can go fuck off because that's the decision they made. Mm-hmm. Whereas the decentralized community-driven idea of Bitcoin has, as we've seen, a few issues with changing. And moving in a certain direction because a lot of people think of different things about where it should go. And the only people who are going to advertise Bitcoin are the people in Bitcoin themselves. There's no central authority paying for commercial time or telling their friends or putting up ads everywhere. It's only people who use the service who are responsible for this. And so I think that's kind of where we're where we're at a disadvantage because mm-hmm. – we have a we have somewhat of an argument going on about simple simple ideas. We have no real good protocol for dealing with how to push forward. There's and, gonna be, go ahead. Yeah, and, but we have the advantage of having the vast majority of how this stuff works, and because we have such momentum going, it's really hard to stop it now. Yeah, but if network effect, if we start to lose that, then we might be in trouble. Yeah, I don't see us losing it though. I think everything is going in a good spot. And everybody, everything seems to be going all systems, all systems ahead, all systems flow. Neither do I, because most of the infrastructure that's being put into place is tied to Bitcoin. And I think it would be quite difficult to switch a lot of that over and just, just change the way all these businesses that are tied into Bitcoin and communicating with themselves and transferring value to just switch over automatically and not lose a lot of what they built. It's so funny though. Like I, I popped over to their website, IBM's website, just to take a look at this blockchain as a service platform that they're building, and it seems like all they did was take a Bitcoin services or Bitcoin company's website and hit Control F and replace Bitcoin with blockchain. That's all they did. like everything is exactly the same the way that videos come together they're like blockchain is a decentralized system so it's just like it's even like a a, a, like a dubbed over sound (laughs) every time it says bitcoin it says blockchain 
and then that's it. It's it's just the thing is is they're taking advantage of uh, I guess idiocy. They're taking advantage of people not knowing any better, and I think they're probably going to try and sell to businesses because businesses are going to go, ooh, blockchain. I know about blockchain. Fuck Bitcoin, but I know about blockchain. So you know, it's going to be interesting. I think. I hope. Yep. I hope there's a push for Bitcoin as a currency, though, because, you know, we talk about the tech a lot. We talk about. So to me, Bitcoin has like a triple fold value, a technology, a currency, and it's got this political, this huge political ideology of separating money from state and people taking their wealth back. That's kind of a big part we don't talk about, which is good. We try to talk about that much. But the currency actually needs to start to be viable in situations like what's been going around the world economies aren't looking too good so we'll see i got my magic eight ball and it's it's out of liquid and it only says fuck yeah bitcoin's gonna be worth a lot and it just sits there that's a great eight ball it's perfect i look at it every time i get reassured well on that note guest time yeah michael dunworth introduce him cello all right, one of Bitcoin's most often cited challenges is the need for widespread merchant adoption, which we haven't talked about in a while. Um, you know, this this might seem obvious, but getting merchants to accept digital currency means that we have to re-educate. So enter Snapcard. They help consumers spend their digital currencies. So I think we got, what, back-to-back Aussie guests. Mm-hmm. Good mm-hmm. Anya. Bloody oath. That's how they talk. <laughs> no. <And>, uh, <laughs> Uh, we got Michael from Snapcard, and he is the co-founder, and he's just uh, he was a super cool guy, and um, he, I learned a lot. This was a good interview. It's bloody Australian, in it? You guys are so bad at impressions other than black people. All you, hey, <laughs> you have black, you got black people down. But Captain Judgery is just terrible. I think I got quite a good Australian accent there. It's more British. It's way more yeah. British. I get an egg roll. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was nothing. It was terrible. Well, if Michael didn't turn around and leave, let's get him in here. All right. Here it is. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready when you guys are. I'm, right. uh, yeah, I'm just sitting here happy to chat. Awesome. You guys like talking Bitcoin. That makes sense because everyone likes talking bitcoin i suppose if you're into it my mom's sick of talking bitcoin to me so it's good that i can talk to someone else about it <laughs> it's good to have the outlets because most everyday people are like what is bitcoin it's, seriously it's like crossfit or something like you know those people that don't shut up about like crossfit or being <laughs> vegan oh my God. i feel like it's almost like on par with that <laughs> it's so funny it's pretty close man yeah. i've had i've alienated myself a little bit we went to a we went to a house party on Saturday, and as soon yeah. as we walked through the door, they're like, "If you talk about Bitcoin, we're leaving." <laughs> yeah, it's your ticket out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Say one word about Bitcoin. That's <laughs> it. Alrighty. Well, you ready to go, Cello? Yeah. Let's let's start this uh, interview kind of breezy. Um, Michael, for those of uh, for those that don't know, could you kindly describe Snapchart? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Snapcard is basically, we're a online, I suppose, a Bitcoin and blockchain company. Uh, we focus on the payments aspect of the blockchain. Um, 
you know, our core products are both buying and selling um, Bitcoin, and, and we do that in we've offer we offer it to North American customers, and we offer it to Brazilian customers. Um, we've been in Brazil for about six or eight months now, um, and North America for about four or five months. Um, basically, a place where people can jump online, connect a credit card, bank account, um, and find an easy way to buy Bitcoin and send it to family and friends or, you know, spend it at a place that accepts Bitcoin. Um, recently, um, our business, we released a product called MassPay, which is the ability to basically send a, you know, a large amount of uh, funds across borders um, with by using the blockchain. Um, so it's, it's more so instead of you know, setting and receiving Bitcoin, it's more setting and receiving local currency, but with the blockchain as the transfer mechanism. Um, and we've been operating that for, that's been in private beta since, uh, just, it only launched in, uh, in November. So, you know, so that's us. We're pretty wrapped up in the whole space of Bitcoin. Uh, as a company, we've been around for about two years and we've kind of been evolving with the space because, you know, since day one, we know that Bitcoin is extremely new and ex extremely fresh, and we didn't want to be not moving with the market. You know what I mean? So, like, right. with Bitcoin, there's so many different things happening. Some things are working. Some things are not working. So, uh, like, a really good example would be something like merchant processing. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of efforts thrown towards that over probably the past two years, but... I the data is just not really supporting it in terms of it being a very good viable long term business or a long term avenue for Bitcoin uh, in itself. So it's about well, particularly in North America, which I think a lot of the noise is focused on North America with you know big brands accepting it. Um, so so yeah, we're we're always evolving as a company, but uh, the main thing is for us is we want to make Bitcoin a thing. That's the elevator pitch, by the way, and it only went for four minutes. And seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really tall building. It was so. an extremely, I was about to say, you know, it's funny when I'm talking, to, <laughs> I literally say the exact same thing. When I'm talking to like, like, for instance, like a, whether it's like an investor at the company or it's like a partner or something, I'm so bad like that. I talk about it and then I go, that's the elevator pitch. And I look at like the Skype call that's got a little ticker going and I'm like, ugh, that was like six and a half minutes. And then I'll be like, yeah, sorry, it was just, you know, one of those moon elevators that goes up to like the, the International Space Station. That's the only kind of elevator that would uh, fit the six minute window, I think. But but yes, anyway, uh, that is the elevator pitch, guys. Nice. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the noise and the evolution uh, going on with your company. Uh, uh, I, I guess I could phrase this as in like you're in the shark tank, you know, give me, give me your users when you started in 2014 compared to 2015 and projected for this year. Like what is the scaling like? Yeah. Well, like the user adoption has not been bad by any means. It's just finding out the, like finding product market fit is incredibly important for startups in general is making sure your product and the market, there's a there's literally product market fit. Like there's a fit. The market demands it and you supply it. Um, and so, you know, when we first, uh, originally we started as like a browser extension where you could just drop the, the Snapcard plugin into your browser and you could shop on any website. If you saw something on Amazon that you liked, you'd click on it. The browser extension would deliver a Bitcoin invoice to you and you would pay that invoice and then we'd go buy it like as a proxy service, basically. So it was before Purse came out um, and 
Perth did an awesome job getting the discounts and stuff like that. But this was sort of like an ad hoc stopgap solution. And so after we did that, we thought, hey, we need to build something of more substantial, like, you know, of something of more substance uh, if we wanted to have a real proper business. And because um, we were just, my, my co-founder and I just building stuff in our, literally in our bedroom, basically. And, um, and then evolving, you know, we said merchant processing was the thing we wanted to go after and wallets being a side project, not a side project, but a complementary product. And as we went after merchant processing, we quickly noticed, so, so this is sort of towards the end of 2014 when we launched the product, we quickly noticed that deals were just very hard to get along the, across the line. It was very little, to, it was very difficult to demonstrate direct value to a business. So if I'm talking to a business, uh, trying to sell the merchant processing, I'm like, hey, Bitcoin's this exciting new channel, no chargebacks, no this, no that. Um, they're like, oh, that sounds really cool. How many people are actually going to spend Bitcoin at my business? And it's like, well, and you can make some guesstimates based on, you know, publicized figures from other businesses and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's not that 60 people, 60 percent of people have Bitcoin and they're banging down the merchant's door. It's a, it's a chance that the business is taking and they've got to commit engineering resources to that and efforts. So we just felt it was too, it just wasn't there. The value add wasn't there. So we made sure we, we started opening up our wallet um, to customers following that. And, and we've crossed over, we've crossed over 100,000 users uh, throughout 2015. Um, and, you know, we processed, we released an infographic, but one of the things we're just really bad, not really bad at, but we just, we're so focused on just like day after day in our own business that we don't really put a lot of messaging out to the community about, you know, who we are, what we're doing. So we need to focus on that a bit more. But um, so we've, we've crossed 100,000 users uh, on the Snapcard wallet and we're processing probably about 300 to $400,000 a day in, um, in Bitcoin uh, buys and sells for our customers, which is super awesome. Um, you know, everyone's getting a kick out of it, which is great. And, um, and you know, we're just trying to to make everything, we're really trying to make things easier day after day. Like we're trying to work out new ways that people can buy and sell, um, trying to enhance the product suite, you know, based on what customers want. And, um, and yeah, so that's kind of the growth for us. We've hit the 100,000 user mark and uh, processing, you know, three to $400,000 a day. Uh, I think the goal for 2016 is to get to, you know, anywhere between two and $3 million a day in processing volume. Um, and, you know, how that shapes out with a user base growth I'm not, we're not totally looking at the, you know, the growth, like our metrics of success aren't measured by, um, by growing our user base, um, because predominantly actually, uh, most of our, most of our transaction volume actually comes from our API, uh, as a business, we've got, we've got APIs there for, for both wallets, uh, for, for wallet users basically that say, Hey, I want to store, um, you know, I want to build my business on top of Snapcard's API, because we can, you know, basically white label Snapcard service. And so about 95 to 96% of our processing volume comes from the API layer, which is kind of weird because we really wanted to be the consumer facing guys. Um, so does that make sense when I'm, what, what I'm talking about or am I just confusing you heaps? Oh no, I'm tracking you. I'm tracking okay, you. nice. That's awesome. That's, uh, that's good. I was just checking out and falling asleep to be honest. Um, no, that was a joke. <laughs> All right, cool. no, we're tracking we're tracking yeah, back to sleep then. we just uh, wanted you to to keep elaborating on snapcard i, I want i want our listeners to understand 
their options. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally, totally. That makes sense. So, so what we do, we power a lot of the Bitcoin businesses in North America that you probably heard of. Um, they're using our API and our infrastructure. Um, you know, we're we're very heavily regulated and licensed as a company in North America. Um, so a lot of businesses will lean on that um, to to get up and running faster. And, and so, as I said, you know, the key metrics for us are, you know, we've got over 100,000 wallet users, but we don't really track our wallet users because that's not where our value is as a business. Our value is other businesses creating wallet users on their platform and, um, and us processing the, the volume for them. So, so for us, you know, we really want to get, you know, take that three to $400,000 a day in processing volume. We want that to, you know, kind of 10 exit, which we really feel we can um, as we start, you know, biting off more and more market share and in, you know, across the, the areas that we operate in. So I got a question. You mentioned it was sometimes it could be like a, a tough sell for merchants to accept Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, which it is, you know, it's that old chicken egg situation. We've talked about it on the show, you know, like if a person accepts Bitcoin, are there going to be enough people paying for it for mm-hmm. them to, you know, See I guess. Outside. Yeah, to make it a good decision for them to train people on Bitcoin and, you know, learn how Bitcoin works. So what have you found is the best explanation or the best sell to get merchants to want to accept Bitcoin? Um, you know what? Here's something that's really interesting, right? Here in in North America, so we're, we're in Brazil and we've partnered, we've got a partnership with one of these, couple, uh, a few companies actually in Brazil um, not all of them have been rolled out yet, but one of them is called PogPop. And PogPop is kind of like a, a fast-growing version of Square, um, but for Brazil. So it's a, you know, a dongle that you can chuck into your, you can either buy a little, a little mini kind of computer to take credit cards, or you buy the dongle that you just jam into the top of your, you know, your smartphone. Um, and basically what it is, Okay, so in North America, I'm trying to sell someone and say, hey, guys, you've got to start accepting Bitcoin. It's really cool. It's flavor of the month. You've read about it in the headlines. This is, you know, this is the next big thing. Get on board before your competitors do so you can, you know, adopt the mind share of the, the Bitcoin the early adopters. that are wet, The people that are ready to spend their Bitcoin, they're going to, you know, if Overstock starts accepting it before Amazon – they're going to win, Overstock's going to win the hearts of the, you know, the, the Bitcoin community. And there's kind of value there in saying, hey, you know, as that community scales, you're going to be, you know, the people that they trust because you were there first and you took a chance. Um, so there is kind of that marketing PR noise around it. Um, but at the end of the day, North America or any developed country, really, it's very hard to say with confidence that, like, as, for, for you and I, like, I don't know why you would why, like, you know, if you're going to spend Bitcoins, um, unless there's a very specific use case, like you can't get a bank account or something like that, which I think over 20% of Americans don't have a bank account, which is incredible, by the way. Um, really? Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The merchant, like the benefits just aren't as big yet. The benefits to the consumer aren't very big and the benefits to the merchant aren't very big. They save on processing fees and they save on chargebacks. True. But all those are irrelevant when the scale's not there. Now, if you tell me that $10 million of my $20 million worth of transactions per day, and I am, let's say, Tesla Motors or something, 
uh, and everyone is going to spend Bitcoin, like 50% of my customers are going to spend Bitcoin and I won't get chargebacks and I don't have to pay expensive processing fees, that's a really big sell. That's a very, like, very tangible. But when it's 2%, 3%, like not even, like less than 1% would be the market, the audience, uh, like looking at Overstock and their numbers, they're, the numbers are very minuscule compared to what they actually do in, you know, credit card pay- payments. So it's very hard to justify that someone is going to use it and create meaningful value for the business. It's worth time putting their engineers to work to, to integrate it and things like that. But, and the value, you know, they get paid the next day from their credit card providers. They get paid the next day from the Bitcoin providers if they settle in local currency or if they settle in Bitcoin, then yeah, that's awesome. They get paid instantly because it goes straight to their Bitcoin wallet. Now, if you look at Brazil, which is really interesting, which is why we actually still have our merchant component because there's a bigger sell in foreign markets or more, I wouldn't call, I'd say more emerging markets. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> if you look at, country like uh, in Brazil, right, if I'm accepting payments, if I'm accepting credit card payments, firstly, a lot of businesses have more than one payment acceptance device. So they've got, um, you know, one that took MasterCard and one that took Visa and then one that took Amex because there was a, there was a, a rule basically or a, a relationship that no terminal would accept both payment providers, MasterCard and Visa, up until that was dropped, I think, in 2010. That law or that rule was basically canned and they dropped the barriers to entry, which is why there's so much, so many payment startups in Brazil. Um, but basically, so if you wanted to accept MasterCard, you would have to have the MasterCard terminal and you'd have to have the Visa terminal and you'd have to have the Amex terminal. Um, long story short, sorry, I wasn't getting to the point. Basically, here's the, the crux of it is that if you accept credit cards in Brazil, most companies will settle. So you're a business, you're, you sell t-shirts and you, you swipe the, you know, people swipe the card, you will get paid out by the credit card company. If you're using someone like PagSeguro, which is like literally the biggest mobile payments company in Brazil, um, if you're using them, they'll pay you out 30 days later, mm. which is like, 30-day settlement, if I'm selling T-shirts and I sell $1,000 worth of T-shirts and I'm just a, a guy with a hobby business, I can't afford, like, I need 30x the working capital to operate my business. So what they do is they say, right, we'll give you the money tomorrow or within three days if you pay a 6 or 7% fee. So, Jeez. yeah, right? So that's super sucky. Um, so imagine now there's an incentive. If you're a Bitcoiner, if you, if you start taking Bitcoin, and you know you're going to get it paid into your bank account tomorrow, you're thinking, holy shit, okay, this is this is good because yeah. if I can get this in my bank account tomorrow or I can get it in my Bitcoin wallet now, I'm happy to say, hey, dude, put your wallet away, put the credit card away. If you, okay, I'm going to give you, I'll give you 15% off this T-shirt if you just if, just pay in, uh, just pay in Bitcoin. Yeah. And people are like, oh, all right. So, you know, sometimes you go to a store and like you go to buy a TV or something um, and it might be like, like if you're not shopping online, you walk into a Best Buy and you try and buy a TV or whatever it is, and you say, "Hey, do you do a discount for cash?" A lot of the times, they will say, "Yeah, all right, you know, the TV's five hundred and fifty bucks." It's like, all right, I can give it to you for, you know, I can give it for five hundred and twenty for you, or five five hundred for you. I've never done that before. Now I'm, oh, I'm kicking myself. Guys, guys you've got to do that. That's just 
I don't know if it's big in America because I've never bought a TV in America, but I remember it's pretty common in Australia. You usually say you do a discount for cash, and a lot of the times they'll they'll be happy to knock you know anywhere like you know five to seven percent off the price. Just uh, you know, if it depends on the business, obviously. Um, but so so here's the thing: is that just like cash is very important, but do you see the real incentive now? If I'm getting paid yeah. 30 days later, that sucks. But if I can now get paid next day, I'm going to start telling my customers, guys, literally, just please, just go. There's a website. Go get some bitcoins. There's this really cool thing. It's a store of value. Our currency is depleting significantly, which the Brazilian real is. Please just go get some bitcoins. Spend bitcoins with me because that's my preferred method of payment, and you can't charge me back. That's a that's a compelling situation yeah. where. You're now painting a picture of real value for the merchant, and because there's so much value for the merchant, they want to incentivize people to to use Bitcoin. And unlike America, or at least okay, I say America, but I mean developed countries, by the way. Unlike developed countries where they're fine, like there's no big deal. Uh, you know, you get paid the next day when someone swipes a credit card, it goes into our bank account via ACH the next day. So the incentive for me when people say, "Oh, there's no chargebacks and stuff," it's like, uh. You know, we've got less than a 0.8 or 0.7% chargeback rate anyway. So, um, you know, because you won't get bank, you won't get a payment provider is not even going to service you if you if you've got a very high chargeback rate, which is why they've got high risk businesses um, that specialize. They've got high risk payment processes that specialize in processing businesses um, where there's a lot of basically chargeback. So, like adult industry, gambling, uh, cryptocurrency would be one of those, but. So like the chargeback thing and the low fees and stuff, it doesn't add up to enough of a story. But now if you look at somewhere like Brazil, that adds up to a story that has true meaningful value for both parties where it's so meaningful for the merchant that they would be willing to give a kickback to the consumer any day of the week to make sure that they get a payment in that method. Hmm. Are we sold? Do we, you guys want to accept Bitcoin? Um, we already do. We've been nice. sold. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, we're not... Yeah. We're not the stubborn uh, Westerners that don't take it because we're overprivileged with our financial system. Like we, we are. we're spoiled <laughs> rotten, dude. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. This is the fascinating thing. Is like literally one of the reasons that people don't is like like if you talk to someone, you're like, oh, do you want to spend Bitcoin? It's like, why? I've got yeah. a Chase credit card that gives me fifty thousand flyer miles every year. <laughs> it's just cash. I don't, by the way. I've got a Bank of America yeah. debit card, so um, <laughs> I get uh, I, I get I, ten credit card offers a day. Uh, why yep. would I need Bitcoin? <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. Wait. Uh, um, so that's the thing, and like that's the argument. It's like, oh, Bitcoin goes up and down heaps. My U.S. dollars don't. So you know, there's everyone's got a there's a financial infrastructure, and there's a whole you know system in place. But it isn't the case everywhere else in the world. That's why. You know, that's why I find like the arguments about the Bitcoin blockchain argument in terms of like, you know, Bitcoin's not hot, blockchain is in America. Like you see that all over the press in, in like Wall Street Journal, Forbes and stuff like that. And that's like to people that know about Bitcoin, you know that one can't have, one can't operate without the other. Now you can have blockchain technology, yes, but not the Bitcoin blockchain without Bitcoin. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But the headlines read that because there's little there's little cool factor or wow factor with Bitcoin as a currency. They're like we're just taking that example. The 
there's a perfectly good banking system that works and it gives people cash back and it's not volatile and it does all these cool bells and whistles that a lot of people have access to. There's there's no story there. But with the blockchain, mm-hmm. which is you know something that can speed up settlement times and stuff like that for the NASDAQ where it's got real applications and value adds for these big banks or big businesses, they'll write a story about that. But now if you go to these more developed countries, They've got their currency is rubbish, and this is why Bitcoin <laughs> currency. Sorry, I uh, uh, make fun of them on the daily. Don't worry. Pardon? Pardon? Do we make fun of the rubbish currencies sometimes, especially yeah. Canada? You know what? <laughs> well, don't worry. I'm, I'm from Australia. My currency uh, apparently I haven't checked it, but it's getting crushed beyond repair because uh, <laughs> I'm in the same boat, guys. And we're all <laughs> there's holes in the boat. <laughs> it's slowly. <laughs> Um, but, but like, like, look at the Brazilian real over the past like four or five years. It was, it's down like you know seventy percent or sixty percent, and it's going lower and lower and lower. Um, look at you know all these currencies that you have that aren't that there's no. It's not so much the value of the currency, by the way. It's the infrastructure surrounding it. So like sending and receiving money um, is not as easy as it is, you know, not everywhere has Venmo, which everyone talks about Venmo in America, but in Australia, you can send and receive to people's bank accounts. But when you want to start sending across borders, it becomes difficult, which is, uh, you know, there's so many e-wallet solutions in Brazil. And I keep talking about Brazil because Brazil's the only real, like we've, we've had a really, really strong uh, push with Brazil over the past six months. So we kind of, we've had the we're really lucky to go there twice, but also to learn a bunch about the whole payments ecosystem. Um, but, you know, there is value in just the currency itself. Like, people still think that, oh, sorry, I'm in this first world that we've already got a beautiful currency and I can set, like, it, personally, I don't know if it's beautiful or not, but you know what I mean, a strong <laughs> currency per se. Um, and it, totally, it doesn't affect me. So next, what else is interesting about this blockchain stuff? Oh, the, you know, that's the thing. But if you go to these like less privileged places on earth, it's a blessing. Like looking at, like look at Argentina and Venezuela, just chaos with their currencies. Bitcoin is like, wow, that's amazing. How cool is this? It's not governed by our government. Basically. It's a, a great way for us to get introduced into this new international economy. How exciting is that? Um, and that's a, that's a selling point like crazy. Um, so I think it's really, it's all about perception and, you know, we get kind of caught in our bubble and, uh, you know, like we, I feel like in America and like developed countries, we get caught in our bubble trying to wait for the next big thing the next big company to integrate it. Reality is like, it's kind of like we, we're bored with bottled water in America, but these other countries don't even have running water yet. You know, they're like tap water. Yeah, like we're, we're bored specialized bottled water that's beautiful and purified Yet these other countries have just got running water and they're like, holy shit, this is delicious. This is amazing. <laughs> That's how I, I kind of think of it like that. You know what I mean? Like we're yeah. s- kind of spoiled kind of thing. But like, it, you know, at least we recognize that we're spoiled. Oh, I don't know. Uh, at least we kind of understand that that's the case. But yeah, I kind of yeah. see the blockchain. Blockchain is going to be the the game changer, you know, in these more like more developed countries. But um you know, there's a huge, huge value add in Bitcoin as a currency. People trying to shoot it down and say it's this and that. It's like, look, whatever. It might yeah. not be the best thing on earth. There might be holes in it. But compared to a lot of these other countries in the world, and there's, you know, 
more than 150 different countries on the planet, yeah, I think that they're going to find that it's a lot better operated and a lot smoother to use and run than what they've currently got. You know, mm-hmm. wheelbarrows of money to go pay guys for a bag of rice across borders is very difficult and it's not safe as well. Like, that's another thing. Like, store, like these countries that have... By the way, I realize I think I've been talking for like fifteen minutes straight. Oh no, it's good stuff. Like, I'm just... <laughs> oh, sorry, God. I feel sorry for the users. The floor is yours. <laughs> Go for uh, it. But if you're still there with us, um... <laughs> we'll jab some questions in here. You want to oh, jab one in there, Cello? Uh, you know what? As as a former CRM manager, I did want to get your perspective on something. Is that all right? Uh, yeah, sure. Sure. So recently, thousands of uh, end users were surveyed to uh, better understand how sales interaction models influence technology uh, purchasing decisions. And the research revealed that the choice between a CM and a CRM solution often boils down to the sales interaction model of the organization, as well as the business challenges that the company faces. So as I said, as a former CRM manager, what perspective can you offer that explains how Snapcard will evolve and grow this year? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, oh, that was a big question. That was big and I'm just digesting it all. Um, <laughs> uh, look, the way that we're going to evolve and grow is, uh, we look a lot at, at data basically. Like what, like we try and, you know, make good reads on what we think is right. But at the end of the day, the data gives the best answers. Um, and, and what we're seeing is just, you know, this, the local currency component, because we are based in North America, you know, when we're talking to businesses in North America, the, this local currency component of, you know, being able to move money from point A to point B and it taking an hour instead of 24 hours is sexy. Like that's a thing. And that's what the blockchain and using the Bitcoin blockchain, you can do stuff like that. And, uh, and for us, like, Looking at that, I feel like that is going to be one of the core value propositions. And, um, you know, it's not a beta, it's not a consumer play. It's, uh, it is very much more of the enterprise play, which is why we released MassPay last year. Um, and MassPay has been used by, you know, a couple of really cool companies like Tango Card. I don't know if you guys have heard of Tango Card. Have you heard of Tango Card? Not familiar. Okay. Uh... Neither was I until we started working with them and they are just rock stars. Like they work with, so what they do, they're like an API for rewards, basically. So you go to them, you're like, hey, I've got all these customers. I want to find out a way to reward them with an Amazon gift card if they, you know, if they log in 60 times, 60 consecutive days in a row or, you know, set up all these events that basically trigger your customers to receive a reward. So you might do a whole bunch of stuff on a website and they say, hey, thanks for being a loyal customer. Here's a $5 Amazon gift card. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so what we did, we integrated with them to make Bitcoin as a reward because we thought it'd be really exciting to try and get Bitcoin into the hands of, you know, not the usual Bitcoiners, you know, not people that are, you know, on subreddits, on forums, on all that stuff. We want to like just float it past the average person. And, um, and now I think Tango Card is like they're doing, I think we tweeted out the other day that they were doing about 10 or 15,000 Bitcoin redemptions a week. Which is pretty gnarly. Like, now they're very low value, like, you know, anywhere between one and five dollars. But that's so cool. Like, for us, that's awesome because, you know, that's someone else, someone else every time, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, um, for that, I, like, I think that's a really cool thing. Um, 
but but yeah. So what I was saying is, we released. Sorry, that was just totally irrelevant to what we were talking about. But it kind of had a purpose. Um, <laughs> we were we released MassPay um, as a means of being able to transfer um, whether it's Bitcoin or local currency. And um, Tango Card was one of the first people to try it out, and it worked like a gem uh, for them. Um, and then we've onboarded a few more clients, sort of behind the scenes, which we haven't announced yet. Um, but so far. It feels like that is the best, like as a company, it feels like we're transitioning from a much more consumer focus to being a plumbing company. And I don't mean fixing your sink when it, when a pipe bursts. I mean also <laughs> fixing, well, I suppose that could be like a metaphor, but fixing the sink when the pipe burst on, I suppose, money movement companies, it feels like, uh, yeah. you know, they've got their current infrastructure at the moment and Bitcoin can add a lot of value. Whether it is the person sending money to their to their family in Brazil, which is uh, you know it's a big thing, uh, and it's not easy to do. It's a very big you know sending money in and out of Brazil is difficult. Uh, you know there's a lot of capital restrictions, there's a lot of, lot of taxes, a lot of issues surrounding that. Um, but you know for us, I see that's where we're gonna we're finding our stride as a company is uh, you know helping with the local currency component um, and. If Bitcoin's the currency of choice for them, then we help them move Bitcoins really easily or get Bitcoins really easily. But um, if if they want to move local currency, we don't want to stop them either. So nice. It yeah. sounds like Snapcard's trying. It's found like a niche, and it's really good at what it does. And so I liked your analogy. You know, like not necessarily the plumber, but the plumbing mm-hmm. uh, between businesses and, and merchants and their users. So. Mm. Good, good deal. We have one last question for you. It's no worry. Oh man, I, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, I can give a concise thirty-eight minute answer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be ironic. And the last question is: in ten words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Bitcoin is an incredibly cool way to store value if you need to. I think that's more than ten words. It was I, just three over. Just yeah, okay. Uh, uh, all right, what do we got? Um, <laughs> amazing new currency and ability to store value. I think that's 11 or 9. Uh, 11 that's, or 10. That's, that's 8. That's 8. Right, that's cool. good. Thumbs up. That's good. <laughs> that could be the last Bam. two. Nice. Um, yeah. Well, Michael, <laughs> thank you very much for stopping by. Uh, the Bitcoin podcast. Oh, I do have one th- one last question I ask you. I- oh. I've seen pictures of you with with your head shaved, and then the pictures of you with your hair. Do do you have hair right now? Wait, head shaved? Yeah, I, I think I Google imaged you, and I saw a picture of you with your head shaved. Is that incorrect? Hold on, hold on. Um, I didn't. I don't think I've had a head shave before. You mean like one of those like half shave things, like Rihanna did once, like that? You know the that trendy look where they shave half their head. Well, I haven't done either of those. Sure. I, when we first got word of you, I, I Google imaged you. I was like, man, that dude has nice hair. And I've never said that about anybody. So <laughs> just wanted to say that. Thanks. Well, I haven't shaved my head. Uh, I have hair on my head. So, uh, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting question there, Jello. <laughs> email, email me what conditioner you use. That's all. <laughs> all righty. All right, man. Th- thanks so much for your time, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries at all, guys. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, thanks for listening to me if I didn't put you to sleep.
No, you, not at all. Like, I uh, think you're super interesting, man. Thank you so much. Well, <laughs> one of the things that we share our opinions, you and I, Michael, is that I also think Bitcoin is going to be a much bigger deal in countries and places that aren't as spoiled as, you know, America and the UK, maybe Australia, you know, or I know not maybe Australia, Australia, just not, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of privileged, you know? Yeah. So. No, that's a, we, we are, it's, it's nice to be able to sort of stop and just realize that and, and see, like, I feel like as well, like, sorry to keep talking guys, but I feel like as well, like a lot of the focus has been on, you know, raise lots of money, like all these, all these companies in Silicon Valley, like raise tons of money and, you know, um, you know, and not take any look outside the, the U S at all kind of thing. Like, I, it just feels like, like emerging markets, like Latin America for us has been like, we poured a ton of effort in there. Like I went down and visited the central bank, spent a day talking to them, um, about Bitcoin, about the blockchain, about, you know, the massive advantages it can have for end consumers and, um, you know, just the ability for people to transact and stuff like that. Like, I feel like it's been almost neglected. Like if you look at them, Oh, I think someone just cut out. Yeah. Cello's, uh, said he had baby stuff. So oh, okay, to... cool. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Yeah, <laughs> he fell asleep and uh, yeah, squashed them, turned his laptop off. Um, <laughs> no, but I feel like I, I, I just wish there was, you know, you know, Circle and all these big companies have raised, you know, sixty, eighty million dollars, whatever it is. But it's kind of like the problem is not here. If you're if you're letting people buy and sell Bitcoin, the problem is not here. It is in emerging markets, which is. Yeah. It's a bit more of, you know, rolling the sleeves up and getting the hands dirty. I know that that was the case for us in Brazil. Like we've got, we had to do all the localization. We had to learn a whole bunch about the culture and the economy and what works and what doesn't. You got to work about like localizing the payment methods, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, ACH isn't a thing. So you do, you know, local bank transfers and you do boleto, which is actually the, like one of the fastest and largest payment methods in Brazil, which is, I don't know if you're familiar with Boleto, by the way. Are you familiar with Boleto? I'm not. See, I'm kind of sad that Corey could make it. Corey lives in Brazil. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. he lives in Sao Paulo, so it okay. would have been perfect. But So, uh, so Boleto is literally like, I don't have a credit card and I don't have a bank account. I want to buy something off Amazon.com, Amazon.com being an example. But, for instance, I want to buy Bitcoins off Snapcard, um, and I'm a Brazilian user. What you do, Boleto is where... You get given like a Boleto payment slip. It'll say, Hey man, thanks. If you want to buy Bitcoins with Boleto, uh, we've saved your order. You've just got to, here's your Boleto slip and you basically print it out or take a photo of it or whatever you want to do. And, um, and then you walk it down to one of a hundred thousand convenience stores in Brazil or look, it might be 88,000. I don't know, but it's, it's humongous coverage. And you basically walk in and say, hey, I want to pay a boleto. And they go, how much? And it's like, well, it's $100. And they go, no worries. They pay it. They mark it as pay with, you know, a centralized boleto system. And then Snapcard or like our platform will then release the Bitcoins to them. Mm. So, you know, it's kind of like a cash payment method almost mm-hmm. uh, because it sort of serves that underbanked area, like the, the people that don't have bank accounts or access to online payment facilities. So, so all that stuff kind of ties up. Uh, it's all part of it, I suppose. But, um, Anyway, uh, it's, it's, oh that's the elevator <laughs> pitch again. That's uh, the elevator pitch. Nice. <sighs> we go up to the uh, ISS, International Space Station, and come back down. 
and we've got Bitcoin explained. <laughs> it's that easy. <laughs> I'm well, just Michael, not smart enough to explain it well. That's the only problem. So I don't. I I feel terrible explaining it to people because. I'm just not good. You know, some people are brilliant at it, like Andreas Antonopoulos. He is just, oh. you listen to that dude for 10 years straight and not get sick of what he's saying. Yeah, he's he's gifted. He he's like everybody's with- idol when it comes to explaining Bitcoin. Oh. I, sometimes I give up. I'm just There's people hey. like, what's Bitcoin? I'm like, it's it's just money, man. And no, I no. just keep it moving. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Gotta let you go, but yeah, no worries, no worries. Thank totally. you for stopping by, and uh, really looking forward to what Snapcar can do, especially there in Brazil, because Corey yeah. lives there and he knows a lot about what's going down. So totally, have a have a good night. Yeah, man, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Alrighty, all right, see ya. And that was the interview with Michael Dunworth from Snapcar. Snapcar, and what they do. Is it's kind of like remittance, but it's not at all, really. It's helping merchants accept Bitcoin, um, and they're getting a lot of traction in Brazil. Um, I don't know if they made it out to you, Corey, but I do know he said that uh, Brazil was a place that was popping off. Yeah, they seem to be adapting pretty pretty nicely and quickly. I've I've joined a few communities out here, and I've I've been seeing quite a bit of uh, uh, in. Nice. And then for anyone who doesn't know, popping off is hip hop uh, terminology for uh, experiencing rapid growth. So I thought I would clear that up for the listeners. Um, but great interview. Uh, very, very happy dude. Cello dipped out right at the end of the interview and he and I kept chatting. Oh, come stop. on, man. Why are you going to say that? <laughs> and we talked about it in the interview, didn't we? I don't yeah. know. I wasn't there. I dipped out. Oh. As everyone knows, life happens. Yeah, man. It's all good. Yeah. I didn't say in the middle. It was like right at the end. You were like, hey, guys, got to go. And then, my bad. Sorry. Erase that. Cello was there the whole time. He loved it. (laughs) There you go. Um, But anyways, um, Corey. Yeah, so I had this – I keep hearing – seeing posts about people saying that Bitcoin was the best performing currency in the world and comparing it to – all of the currencies and talking about how awesome it is and how it's the best. Uh, while I do believe in Bitcoin and think that it's a, it's, it's a revolution of technology and that it allows us to do things that no other currency allows us to do, you got to be careful when you start saying things like it's the best performing currency in the world um, because it's a numbers game, right? Although relative to itself, it has performed very well and a percentage-wise better than all others. But – the market pool of Bitcoin is so abysmally small compared to most leading currencies in the world that you really can't compare them. And to say that something so small outperforms something so ridiculously massive just is ridiculous. It's like apples to oranges. Yeah, and so when you you really have to think about the size of the thing you're comparing to. Uh, it's, it's like saying, I mean, because... Of like a something inside of a cell can move really, really, really fast across the cell. Maybe I don't know thirty miles an hour relative to itself, which is ridiculous, right? We're talking about electronic impulses or something like that, mm-hmm. and then it's it's faster than a human can run. 
is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess so. you're talking about different scales of, of things, like orders of magnitude differently, different scales. And to compare the two, you really have to think about what you're comparing. And a lot of people are just saying Bitcoin's the best currency in the world. Look at these numbers when it's really a false comparison. And it, and it, you have to think about what you're talking about before you say it. And I, and I want people to start to think about that type of stuff when they read all of these things, because what you're reading is just someone trying to hype Bitcoin. But it's really not it, it is, it's not saying anything. Mm. I think there's a circle jerk somewhere, Corey, that you just ruined. Good. Circle jerks are <laughs> gross. <laughs> Stop all that circle jerking. <laughs> yeah. um, echo, cha- e- echo chambers are real on the internet. You can get in the community, say some shit, and if they believe the same shit you say, regardless of how ridiculous it is, they're going to just say it right back to you and say, keep going, brother, and you think you're right until you yell it even louder. And this is dangerous. You really need to know the facts and understand what you're talking about before you say shit. Yeah, I agree. But I'm also guilty sometimes. Sometimes I start saying stuff. Um, We all are. We all are. But I mean, the the fact that if I were to come at you and give you cold, hard facts about what you're saying is wrong, you would at least reevaluate it and say, ah, fuck, I was wrong. I should, I, I won't say that anymore. And I'll correct what I had to say based on you know, the new information that you've given me. A lot of people won't do that. They'll just say, screw you. What I said was right. I'm going to keep going hardcore. And just all these people who are repeating back to me what I'm saying is giving me the confidence to believe that I'm right. And I think nowadays with the modern internet, it's really hard to find real truth. So you kind of have to dig a little bit. So then what can you, you can say Bitcoin is the best performing currency if you compare it with, you can say the same thing, but just at least it, it include the caveat that it's also probably the smallest currency. Oh yeah, six least. billion. I mean, Jeez, if you were to, if you were to weight the performance by the size or the market value of the currency itself, it would be at the very bottom. Meh, not so much. There's a couple current a couple countries currencies that are just pure dog shit. So. <laughs> Bitcoin to you, there. Canada. Yeah, Bitcoin. <laughs> Canada's pretty stable. <laughs> Venezuela, uh, it's, a shit, it's, a, it's a shit show. But I mean, Bitcoin's Ouch. up there. Don't get me wrong. But it, it, what would be cool is to see the real stats and then watch Bitcoin slowly rise to the top as it grows. And that way you see this real true growth of where it was and how it starts to overtake real currencies. Not opposed to like, it's been at the top. It's at the top. It'll stay at the top, son. Type of mentality. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. Got to be so, more realistic in the community. That's why I'm off my soapbox. That's, uh, okay. that's kind of why I'm to push it. Chella, do you have a soapbox? Nope. Um, <laughs> I don't think I have a soapbox either. I guess the only thing I could say is Bitcoin's fucking awesome. This is what? Our 45th episode. No, not 45th. Wow. I was looking at the wrong thing. 41st episode. Right, quaranta, you know. I wanted to correct that because at the top of the episode, uh, Marcello, you said quattro uno. Yep. And that is four wrong. one. Four one. <laughs> four one. Forty one. You hear Portuguese quaranta um. Quaranta um. Oh, you're learning Portuguese now. Thirteenth warrior action going on. There you go. Um. Well, we're gonna wrap it up, guys. Uh, it's a midweek episode, so we want to. We don't want to keep you guys from your weekend festivities. Okay. <laughs> You all sees out there getting drunk on your Faustus, and then uh, good God Almighty, that was good. That was a good one. 
Wait, let's break. Let's let's uh, let's get some Aussie lingo in there. Um, right, oh chap. Do you know what a young surfer British. is in Australia? A young surfer. He's a grommet. A grommet. A grommet. He's a grommet. Uh, what about a, a dango? <laughs> a dingo ate your baby. Dingo, you know what's funny? In Texas, a slab is like a, a shitty car with big rims, but a slab in Australia is a 24-pack of beer. Really? Yeah. Hey, go to the store and get us a slab. In my slab. Store. All right, Corey, why don't you give us an accent since you're, accents, since you're the captain of all accents? Oh, I'm not saying I'm good at accents. I'm just saying yours is bad. Good luck, mate. Pretty good, though. Good eye, mate. He says, good eye, mate. Good on you. There you go. All right, now. I think my... Um, that's my, not a noise. That's a noise. See, that's pretty good, that's actually. That's good old Crocodile Dundee. You, you got to go back to the classic. Well, it's no surprise my black accent is good. I mean, yeah, because you're black. Ah, yeah. My, my, my white accent should be decent, but it's there's no good. way. There's no way I'm doing a black accent. Pretty fucking spot on, let me tell you that. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't do a black accent. I bet you won't try right now. Oh, I bet shit. you if you listen back and then when you said Canada's dog shit, you came out kind of aggressive there. <laughs> I didn't say Canada's dog shit. You said that. I said that. I said, I said looking at you, Canada. Canada. <laughs> Canada. All right, let's wrap up. I don't know what we're doing, though. Corey's supposed to be talking like a black person. I want to hear this. And I'm I'm vouching for him, black people everywhere. You can't beat him up if it sounds too stereotypical. I need to, I need to prep myself for something, something so racist. <laughs> hey, we have a black guy on the show. This is what we're taught not yeah, to man. do. I'm your, I'm your black friend that gives you the pass. You start with, like, nigga, please. Oh, dude, you had to take it straight <laughs> there. <laughs> That wasn't even an accent. You're just <laughs> okay. Marcello's so awkward that he's just... okay. This is getting off the rails. This has got to end. Okay, at the BTC podcast. I was singing the outro music because it's time to just okay. skip straight to the outro music. <laughs> okay, um, at the BT podcast Twitter, boom. Uh, the Bitcoin the website, boom. Sign up for the ne- newsletter. The newsletter. Um, the n- the newsletter. Um, yeah, we we don't spam. We'll send you a newsletter once a week, and it'll be like, hey, remember that awesome show you listened to last week? Well, so they they just dropped some new hot fire, motherfucker, and then it's coming straight to your email box. Um, what am I? Zapchain.com slash g slash just two guys. Okay, and you guys that are on Zapchain, like talk a little more. Because I notice you only talk when I'm like, hey guys, here's some free bits. And then you all show up like fucking piranha looking for free bits. You can give out free bits too, random guy on Zapchain. Yeah, that's right. It's a community, not just sucking up the bits. We want you guys to be a part of it. Talk to us. Let's know what we need to do for you. Don't be so don't be so free with the bits. Just give them to real, real content. Yeah, I'm going to give it to that real shit from now on. Just handing out free bits. Anyways. See, you sound cooler. I can't sound that cool. Yeah, it's, just, it's in my blood. No. Well, that's it, guys. Thanks for uh awesome week. We're glad that you loved the Code Valley episode. Share it more because the Code Valley guys are awesome. Snap Car guys are also awesome. Michael Dunworth, Mr. An Awesome Aussie. Uh, actually, we double down on Awesome Aussies. So, anyways, uh, play the outro. <laughs>